Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Roleplay Chat. I'm Matt, a game master who can't stop talking about role-playing games. In today's episode, we talk about becoming a game master, and I'm joined by Happy Capster, aka Maria Moore, to talk about that. This is, however, an episode that's good for all listeners, whether you be a veteran game master, a new game master, or anywhere in between. While it will be especially useful for people who are looking to make that leap into becoming a game master, I think it'll be applicable to all of you. However, if you're a veteran game master and you know somebody who's looking to make the leap, perhaps you can share this episode with them and it can be of use to them. So I do have a little bit of news to share with folks before we get to the episode. and One of them is of a personal note. So about 10 days before recording this intro message, uh, my basement was flooded. Got about six inches of water pretty much everywhere. Uh, thankfully, the damages weren't too bad. But uh, it it has affected me personally in my personal life, and it's gonna affect the show a little bit. So because of the the water that came in and the renovations that we might have to do because of it, I'm gonna be losing part of my recording space. Perhaps I you know there's actually I'm not even sure. I I shouldn't say that. I I'm not sure. There's a lot of questions up in the air, and it's it's a lot of stress on me. Um. So I think what I'm going to end up having to do is I'm going to have to miss a release cycle of the show, maybe two. I'm really sorry about that. I, you know, the show is something that's really important to me, but it's, my my house, uh, unfortunately, has to take precedent over it. So I'm going to spend, you know, some time. Obviously, the recordings of the show will come back, but I'm going to I'm going to take a little bit of time off. Like I said, probably one release cycle or two to kind of get back in the swing of things, to really fix the basement back up again, and uh, replace anything that was damaged that I need to uh, help fix the show up and make sure that the show's quality doesn't suffer. And in fact, I hope I hope this recording, um, I hope I hope it doesn't sound too different. <laughs> if it does, that's uh, that's part of the part of the flood consequences. But but anyway, um, so yeah, if if you do want to support the show, now would be as good of a time as ever. You can use any of the affiliate links linked down below, or subscribe to the Patreon. Your your money, if you have any to spare, I would greatly appreciate it now. Um, and I also want to take this time to mention that I have a new affiliate link, a new affiliate uh, status with Adventure Dice. So Adventure Dice is a Canadian dice company. I'm, I'm also Canadian, so I'm happy to be partnered with another Canadian company. And they make all kinds of cool dice. You can use the code ROLEPLAYCHAT, all lowercase and all one word, at checkout, and you can save yourself some money. I think it's 5 or 10%. And also, 5 or 10% comes back to me. So not only will you be saving money, but you'll be able to give me a little bit in return. So yeah, so those are the affiliate links, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. So without further ado, let's dive right into the conversation with Maria about making that leap into becoming a Game Master. Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Roleplay Chat. I'm Matt, a Game Master who can't stop talking about role-playing games. Today, I have the honor of being joined by a Twitch streamer, voice actor, and TTRPG content creator, They are the co-founder of the Goblin Society Games, an independent developer and self-publisher of board games, card games, and tabletop role-playing game material. They are also a cast member on Waffle Maple Syrups and Only Play Wizards Actual Play Games and have hosted their fair share of TTRPG discussion panels at all kinds of conventions across 
the United States, the world, <laughs> who's to say? Please join me in welcoming Maria Moore to Roleplay Chat. Yeah, it's me. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> that, was, that was so, That I wasn't expecting like a, a scroll unfolding of like, you know, now entering. That was. You have so many cool. achievements that oh, the scroll has to oh. be rolled out. Yeah, the red oh. carpet is. <laughs> I'm having all sorts of feelings and we just got here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, you just got here and let's put you right in the hot seat, Maria. Why don't okay. you. Uh, say hello to everybody really quickly. Tell us a little bit about your favorite tabletop RPGs, your favorite systems, your favorite games. You know, all give us some of that juicy context, uh, and also let us know, you know, where people can come and listen to your your wonderful performances and buy your amazing products. Okay, good gravy. Well, I'll get those those last two things out first. Um, as was previously stated, uh, I am a cast member uh, as part of Outcast and Outclass, a Pathfinder 2E actual play that is uh, coming up on its two-year anniversary nice. uh, over on Waffles Maple Syrup. Uh, our second uh, season is actually starting in uh, the, the end of May, so coming up fairly shortly when it comes to the time as as of yeah. this recording um we're super hyped about that and then uh simultaneously um i am part of uh, abraxas's precipice which is the expanse ttrpg over on only play wizards which is also ironically coming up on its two-year anniversary <laughs> um so uh lots of lots of anniversary stuff but uh that's where you can watch me right now um i've done other stuff on waffles maple syrup including delta green um i was part of their campaign for that and a bunch of one shots uh i recently if you want to watch me run something i was on um greater restoration their most recent charity event uh i ran the company a uh what uh, a corporate satire horror ttrpg system by logan dean hmm. um and it's that that to piggyback into the rest of this that's one of my favorite teach produce right now that's cool um, that's that sounds like an interesting mix of uh, it, you know corporate this yeah dystopian horror like that yeah yeah it's like cool. corporate satire so it, it's exactly what it sounds like it's you play as employees of the company and get thrust into these kind of supernatural the things that average normal people you're just regular people put mm -hmm. into these extraordinary situations because of the company and having to do a job to do, to do something that is like you know get this classified research that no we're not going to tell you why you need to get it but you got to get it because it's part of your job um yeah, yeah yeah and and so it's it's very good very simple system um very easy to pick up and and learn and to play um and it's Logan is a fantastic, wonderful human being who also has a very lovely and dry sense of humor. So it works really well with system. Awesome. <laughs> um, awesome. But other TTRPGs of notes, um, Pathfinder 2E, obviously, I've been playing it for almost two years, but I didn't play it until I started playing it on an actual play game thing. And it's 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 scratching a lot of itches that uh, other large uh ttrpg systems could could not um which is 
very, very cool. Um, we actually just had like a talk back of season one and talked a lot about Pathfinder stuff. So you can go and look at that, a waffles maple syrup. But um less known systems besides the company. Um let's see. I oh geez. Um, oh, I'm actually, I, I have little, little figurines that my friend gave me of some of my characters. Um, there's one called Fear Itself, which is a bunch of different, like, horror-based scenarios. Um, is it Gumshoe, I think, oh, is yeah, the system? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's, that's the, like, detective one, right? It's the... Yeah, so yeah. Gumshoe, I think Gumshoe is the system that Fear Itself is, like, a, it's like a... It's kind of like Powered by the Apocalypse, but you have Monster of the Week, and that's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Fear itself yes. is a gumshoe game, but it's like very horror-based scenarios of like ghost hunting. We did that once and all this sorts of stuff. Um, but it was really, really I it was very, very fun to play. And you can also actually watch that on the Mythos Mystery Society. I'm everywhere. <laughs> like listen. <laughs> but I did a bunch of I did a bunch of games on the Mythos Mystery Society. All of them very comedy horror based silly fun times, but uh Fear itself is one of the ones that you can find on there. Um and I I could talk about all I've played yeah, so many yeah, games. Yeah. There I've played so many. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. That means yeah. you have a very wide breadth of experiences that you can draw huge from. Huge nets. <laughs> Huge yeah, yeah, and, and I'm really excited to to talk about how your advice for new player, new game masters might differ actually based mm. on what system they want to explore or what systems yeah. they should explore first. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm hoping that in today's listener group, we have a lot of folks who are looking to become a game master, who maybe have taken their first steps as becoming a game master or are just on that precipice, you know, to 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 join us, become one of us uh, in well, the Game Master Club. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, you're talking about player characters, creating player characters, it's very different from creating an adventure, creating a campaign, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. having something going ongoing. But, you know, there's some similarities there that I feel like a lot of people don't tend to notice. You know, mm -hmm. you're thinking of the, the broad strokes of the personality of a character or the broad strokes of the flavor of a character. I think the same can be said about an adventure or a campaign yeah. or a setting yeah. that you want to run your games in. So, 100%. yeah, so I, let's I, I, I know I shared some questions with you earlier, Maria, and mm -hmm. I might actually start us off in the part where we're going to talk about three main categories today for people mm -hmm. listening. We're, we're going to talk about. First and foremost, how to pick rules, systems, and settings mm. for the first time that you, mm -hmm. you run a tabletop role-playing game. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about communication and picking people for your table, you know, fostering an environment that's going to be the best for you to grow as a game master. I mean, this probably applies to anybody listening, regardless of skill level. But mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. at, at the beginning, you want to have a certain a certain space. and And then... Once we have those two things discussed, let's get right down to the nitty gritty of talking about how how do you actually get started? Like, what do let's you do? roll what some do dice you do with and get these hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and then of course for people on Patreon, we're going to talk a little bit about planning and how specifically Maria, you plan for your games. 
and maybe you're not going to want to miss that because it's going to be it's going to be an interesting wild ride i tell you that (laughs) oh yeah let's go i'm excited i'm ready i'm holding on um yeah so that that's going to be kind of our breakdown for today so let's kick it off just talking about systems settings that kind of stuff okay so drawing on that parallel between picking a player character that fits our mood and the person the player character that we want to play i think the same can be said for your campaign i think it's especially Mm -hmm. important at the beginning to pick something that you're going to be really excited and happy about Mm -hmm. running so yeah maria maybe i'm going to throw it throw it off to you first okay what kind of what kind of advice would you give somebody when they're you know they're sitting down they're starting to brainstorm what they want their first adventure to be like that they that they're going to run and they have to you know they're faced with this decision of what what setting am i going to run this in what flavor is it going to have what would you what kind of advice would you give them so it i would always ask the question of what kind of story do you want to tell first and again, be as be broad. We're not making cities. We're not making maps. We're not coming mm-hmm. up with any sort of important characters or anything like that. What kind of story do you want to tell? Um, and by that, I mean, do you want it to be and you pull from like media things that you things that you are familiar with? Do you want it to be an epic fantasy quest like Lord of the Rings? Do you want it to be a scary sci-fi adventure like Aliens? Do you want it to be a less scary sci-fi romp through treasures and and adventure questy things like in Treasure Planet? Um, do you want it to be a modern day uh, mystery noir, uh, like political intrigue mm-hmm. kind of vibe? Um that that's the kind of thing I would suggest trying to figure out first before you get a story. Um, well, if you have a story, great. If you have like a general story you have in mind, you just don't have a flavor for it. That's the thing I would try to nail down first because there are so many systems out there um, that you can very easily get a bit overwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, there's not just, there's some big heavy hitters like, you know, D and D pathfinder. Um, but there's so many other systems that if you have kind of a general idea, a general genre of what kind of story you want to tell, whether it's gritty, uh, and dark, or whether it's a little bit more lighthearted, um, you know, fantasy, sci-fi, you know, anything in between, um, it's, it, it narrows the field down quite a bit uh you can be a little bit more focused in choosing the systems that you want and then there's some systems that can go pretty much for any any genre uh savage worlds and uh cypher systems are the two systems that come to mind immediately of being a very um setting agnostic system that you can kind of put any kind of flavor or spin onto uh and it it could work just as good fantasy or in space or you know the wild west of americas or like anything in between there so that's where i would start yeah i i I couldn't agree more i think it's especially and i mean i was guilty of it when i started my my game mastering journey some 10 years ago i thought the only option in front of me was playing dungeons and dragons you know i didn't Mm -hmm. even consider something else I was like, I want to play this or that. And like, it didn't matter what the skin of the game was. 
I thought that the only option I had was to play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not the case. If anything, I feel like there's like a TTRPG renaissance and there's so <laughs> many cool systems that exist out there. If you're listening to this and you don't know what to play, think of what Maria just said, what flavor you want it to have and message me. Like mm-hmm. message me. You can and also Maria. message yeah, me. Yeah, let's absolutely. Go. Give us your elevator pitch of what you want to run. I'm going to do my best to give you a system <laughs> that you can run that in that's optimized for doing that and not like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to find yourself three months down the road home brewing some 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 yeah. mechanism to make it more interesting because you ended up choosing D and D first and now you're like trying to retrofit it <laughs> mm-hmm. for whatever it is that you want to run. Um, mm-hmm. and, th- and there's definitely a a boon to home brewing your own stuff to systems like D or pathfinder or these larger systems that are primarily high fantasy focused um mm-hmm. if you're home brewing things and there the, one there's been so many people that have have made their own rules their own settings and systems and such like that that you can absolutely use and borrow from to make it fit if D is the system the mechanical system that you enjoy that it makes sense to you and you have a lot of fun with the actual number system of like D or pathfinder or something like that uh there is no, in it's what frustrates me a little bit about the teacher community as a whole or the the space as a whole is there's no that's there's nothing wrong with taking a system you really enjoy and making it into you know, homebrewing it till it's not really quite the same as it was before, but that's okay. If so long as it's fun for you and fun for your table, don't let anybody harsh your yum. Like like, that's, that's fair. That's a really good point. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But I will say kind of as a counterpoint to that, not to harshing your yum, like have your fun, however you want. (laughs) Um, But as a counterpoint to that, one thing that might be easier for somebody who's new to the table is yes. to find a game that facilitates a kind of play that you you want, mm-hmm. kind of no strings attached. Right um, from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, right from the get-go. And I mean, you might want to get into your your you know game design toolkit right off the bat, but mm-hmm. you might not want to. And if that's mm-hmm. something that you're, you know, already a little bit intimidated by. I think maybe it might be worth considering things like how crunchy do you want your game to be? And by crunchy, mm. I mean, how many rules do you want there to be? Like how explicit mm-hmm. is everything or right. does it leave a lot to your imagination? And I think there's pros and cons there. You know, if mm-hmm. I, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll pitch that over to you first, Maria. What do you sure. think would be a good place to start as far as like level of complexity of rules for somebody who's new to the, to the hobby and new to the, game master seat sure i it really this is going to be one of the most unsatisfying answers it depends uh it depends on you as a person what your relationship is with learning the rules systems um and again going back to what kind of story do you want to tell Mm -hmm. there are the two kind of examples of teacher rpg systems that i'll give are one is very um mechanically light in its system and one is very mechanically heavy in its system uh the mechanically heavy one as far as the ones that i've played um cyberpunk red uh is a is a very 
fun system. Um, I enjoyed it uh, while I played it, but I was having a little bit of a, a, a struggle of getting into the system because there was a lot of uh, adding a very seemingly random things together it as someone who had never touched it before never played it before it mm-hmm. it felt like why why aren't all of these already added up already why do i have to do all this in the moment um but uh so that's one one side of it is you know the or like pathfinder first edition is also one that comes up a lot about being fairly number crunchy yeah uh a lot of steps to take before you get to your resolution um so that's kind of one end of it which is still a fun end if that's mm-hmm. the kind of game that you like to play yeah. the other and if i can interrupt you really quickly and then sure, we'll go, go back it. to the other end i, yeah. I think you're 100 right those games are very crunchy mm-hmm. and for people listening that might not understand even if like you might not know if you like crunch or not um mm-hmm. if if you don't i think the perks of having a crunchy system is that it's all written down for the most part. Yes. So if you encounter yeah. a situation and you're perhaps intimidated in coming up with a ruling or an interpretation of rules on your own, it's it's probably going to be covered in the yeah. in the crunch somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to bog down your game by looking stuff up all the time, but at least it's there, mm-hmm. and you could say, "Hey guys, let's take a ten minute break, go to the bathroom. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out," and mm-hmm. hopefully the rules have it covered. So that that's maybe yeah. a a perk of yeah crunch and then i'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do the same thing later i'll, I'll give a yeah. perk for, for <laughs> a flowy flexible stuff too yeah but. i do i do think too a lot of the as far as that, at least in my experience there's a lot of either official or fan-made cheat sheets for crunchy systems that have like you know the basic here's the basic like spreadsheet one pager of like these are the essential things maybe sometimes with like page footnotes for like the actual Mm -hmm. handbook or something like that, um, that I find to be kind of invaluable because like as a player, I don't necessarily also want to be rummaging around, you know, some fairly substantial rule books. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or as a, as a game master too, right. To like staple that or tape that to the back of like a makeshift GM screen so Mm -hmm. that you kind of have, kind of have that yeah. there you have like that. you have a skeleton and like yes. there's always going to be moments where there's like very specific rulings of like this very very specific thing and you know that uh, going into the book to find a rule is not the end of the world um on the absolute counter side to that the flip side uh again this is of course my opinion is the quest ttrpg um quest is a an exceptionally rules light variant in my opinion of like what D could be um it's it is a fantasy based setting and i'm fairly confident the only die you roll is a d20 okay, um, cool. i've never played quest so I'm, but i played it, I've heard it good in things. a one shot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but it it is one that is much more heavily reliant on a narrative table because there's not a lot of uh mechanical as far as like uh mechanical like pass or fail is like dice rolling and things of that nature there's not really a lot of modifiers you need to add to anything or number crunching or anything like that and so a lot of the conflict a lot of the resolutions that happen um it's much more focused on everyone 
using it to verbally tell a story instead of using, you know, the storytelling yeah. aspect mixed with the randomness of numbers and and statistics and all that sort of stuff. It's much more heavily narrative focus, which the boon of that, um, if you have a table that is comfortable, you know, in the role-playing aspect of it can lead to exceptional role-playing moments that aren't broken by the need for a mechanical role. Yeah. Um, which I think Absolutely. can be very special if you have the and right it gives table you for it. A lot of flexibility, right? As a game master. A lot of flexibility. Just make decisions on the yeah. fly. Yes. Call for roles, like you said, very less frequently. Yeah. So it gives or, kind of or more, more frequently. Or more if, frequently. Yeah. yeah it's true. it's it gives it like it's exactly what you said. It's giving the person running the game a lot less stress of having to remember like five excuse me five pages of rules mm -hmm. all you have to remember is if you want if this seems like something that might have the odds of not going out well ask them to roll a die and there's only one die they have to roll <laughs> there's only one thing they have to remember and there's only one thing you have to remember yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah it abstracts that to like its mm -hmm. most rudimentary level which is yeah. sometimes what we what you want sometimes what you need yeah. To get over that hurdle of 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 getting in front of your friends and and trying yeah. it out, yeah. so yeah, so I guess find your find yourself in there somewhere and yeah. hopefully pick a system that matches. Um, There's absolutely a system out there. If you that one of my biggest uh, suggestions and pieces of advice for people, especially if you're new to playing or running TTRPGs, if well, it goes for playing as well. If you play or run a system that doesn't vibe with you. That's okay, because there are so many systems. Play around until you find the one that does vibe for you, that does mesh with how you tell stories and how you play games. There's no shame in not enjoying how a game is played. For example, mm -hmm. I don't enjoy playing in Quest because um, I enjoy a little bit more of that randomness, a little bit more of the structure that the uh, that uh numerical mechanics give to my storytelling to how i play games um which is not at all to say that quest is a terrible game and you should never play it ever ever no i just i just don't enjoy playing it because i have fun playing other types of games and that's okay um so very similarly to you if you like the very crunchy mechanics uh and you like doing the statistical probabilities and the math and like all of that stuff and then you get that huge number and the huge hit and it's great and it's epic and everything chase that please mm -hmm. for those of us who don't vibe with that please chase it even harder <laughs> yeah ab absolutely absolutely um one thing that i think though that people will, will often say and it's, it's something that i often hear when I ask people, you know, if they want to try game mastering, there's often this fear about not knowing enough of the rules, not mm. being familiar enough with the rules. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a hundred percent, you should know, you, you need to know the rules to a certain level, like to a certain mm -hmm. degree. But I guess mm -hmm. what I'd like to ask you, Maria, is to what extent do you need to know the rules in quotes? Like, when are you ready? Because you're never really going to be ready. <laughs> you're never really going to be ready <laughs> um so coming to terms with you're never going to be ready because 
no matter the amount of preparation you have with learning the rules, with preparing a story, with coming up with scenarios or anything like that, nothing's going to survive contact with the players. Nothing is. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be, it's going to be much different um, than you can prepare for. And that's, me saying that shouldn't should, I I strive to make it not an intimidating thing. It should mm-hmm. be a rewarding thing because that means you don't have to put as much stress on yourself to learn the rules front and back. Um I'll use uh D&D 5th edition as my example because that's the one I had the most experience running. Um I played 5th edition since it came out essentially um and so i i played a couple of uh campaigns before i started running my first game and i didn't i didn't know i didn't know a lot of the rules <laughs> when i first did it i knew uh the different ability scores and what they meant um i knew things like initiative um how to how to start combat i knew how the combat economy worked like an action bonus action and movement mm-hmm. um and outside that literally everything else i had to look up that's it that's basically it when i was running the company ttrpg bless logan dean he put everything that you ever need to know on the back cover of like you oh, open the front awesome. you open the front cover and everything it's just one, it's just one little, this is everything you need to know to play this game. Um, but the first time I ran that, uh, I kept looking for more rules and there just weren't any. <laughs> it was just like, hey, you roll D10s and you need a high number. And if you don't, well, it's not, it's not good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's basically but you know, it. That's a, that's a really good point. I, I think knowing the central resolution mechanic of a game, yes, I think is important, and and understanding, yes. like, the the the, the scale. The scale is the wrong word. The range that yeah. that can have, and yes. like what really good looks like, and what really yes. bad looks like, and yeah, everything in between. Yeah, I think if yeah, like you said, the, understand the character stats and skills and stuff. Yeah, like, why would you be asking for a constitution check? Mm-hmm. Why would you ask for a, you know, a kind of, a kind of check? So, like, one one thing that I, um, I think is really great, especially in D anD D, because again, that's the one I'm familiar with, but in other systems as well that have uh, uh, specific skills that a character can learn and pick up and things of that nature, put points into or or however they do it, um is if a character is, if a player is describing something their character is trying to do, uh, try to find try to find a skill, if you'd like, that could be relevant in that situation. So if they're trying to jump over something, well, that could be an athletic skill. But also, if you're playing, if you're running a game for players who have played in games before, uh, maybe not with you, but who have played in games before who kind of are at least familiar with the system, you don't be afraid to lean on your players a little bit and say, okay, you're trying to do this thing. Um, I think that this would be an acrobatics check, but if you think, uh, if you can come up with a good reason for it to be a different skill check, 
you know, have them make an argument for it. And if it sounds plausible, I, I'd say give it to them. Um, yeah. Because, again, the players are going to be they're thinking through their characters. They can be so creative about how they want to do something. Now, if they're trying to jump over, like, a cliff and they're trying to charm their way over the cliff, that's, I mean... <laughs> That's not gonna fly. <laughs> like it's not gonna it's not gonna work too yeah. terribly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, if they if they say, you know, I want to try to see uh if there are um any roots growing between the cliff ledges that I can grab onto, you know, maybe you maybe you have them make something like a an a investigation check to to get an advantage on that, you know, and then maybe they make an athletics check to climb up it or, or, you know, something, something like that. But that goes in, that goes into at the very least knowing the general idea of what these general stats are like strength and constitution and all these things, the big numbers, and then inferring what these skills might be used for. Um, A lot of the times, like, skills can be a little bit everything can be just a little bit malleable even in like super crunchy games because at the end of the day the rules are there to help you tell a good story Mm -hmm. and to help you have a fun game and if kind of squatching the rules just a little bit makes for a little bit more fun for you makes for a little bit better story for you just get a little wibbly wobbly with the rules sometimes. Yeah. If somebody says, I want to charm this person to get me over the cliff. That's a great, listen, that's fantastic. And we'll probably all laugh about it, whether you succeed or fail. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And and I think I'll add, you know, if it makes it more fun or if it makes it less stressful, right? If you're, mm-hmm. if you're losing sleep over like, I don't know what the difference between a perception check and an investigation check is. Don't, don't like, you don't have to, you could quite literally use them interchangeably for your first game. People probably won't notice, or if they notice the, like the worst that they're going to say is after the game, they'll say, Hey, you know, usually perception is this and investigate Mm -hmm. is that. And, and this kind of segues me into the next part is Mm -hmm. picking the right people to play Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that this is like the number if if you can take away one thing from today's conversation I think that's the thing is make sure you're picking people that you trust that you can you know you can have honest and open conversations with about you trying out the game master seat mm-hmm. I think that that's like the number one piece of advice but I I'm maybe getting ahead of myself so um <laughs> Let me throw this over to you, Maria. What kind of advice can you give people listening on how to pick the right people to play their mm-hmm. first, like to run their first tabletop role-playing game with? Um, I'll say this with the clarification that this is specifically for off-stream games <laughs> because yes. <we're> recorded, recorded <laughs> and streams uh, actual play games. It's a very, it's a very different. I could have an entire an entire episode just talking about that. Um, but for at-home games, for your chill game gaming store games, for your you know weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever, hanging around with new friends, old friends, anything like that, um, the suggestion that I have is be very upfront, telling people, "Hey, this is the first time that I'm running this game. 
This is the first time I'm running any game. This is the first time I'm running this system. Whatever the first is, um, being upfront with whoever you're inviting to the table, uh, because there's nothing worse feeling as a person who's trying to run something and you want to run it well and you want to do a good job and nobody knows that it's your first time. So like if you mess up, which is going to happen, by the way, it's going to it's going to happen <laughs> quite frequently. <laughs> It's going to happen you know, forever, quite honestly. Yeah. I don't think yes, I've Yes, literally stopped. always. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you have this anxiety of like the fear, that fear of failure mm. on top of trying to fool everyone to admit, you know, I want to feel competent. I want to feel like I got this all together. It's that's it. You don't have to. You you don't have to feel like you have it all together because you have to you have to have fun. You are also a player at the table. You just happen to also know a lot of the secrets. <laughs> Um, so breaking down that first barrier between yourself and whomever you're inviting to the table of, Hey, this is, I'm exploring, I'm learning, let's all have fun and learn together. You know, I'll be patient with you. You be patient with me and we'll all kind of figure it out as we go. Oh, Um, I love that so much. I think that's, that's a great, a great benchmark from there, assuming that you have, you know, chosen a system that you enjoy, um, well, I'll, I'll give two examples. One is friends that you know and you already have an established relationship with. And one is if you want to uh, make new friends and you're running it for people that you don't know. Um, running games for people that you are friends with and you know quite well um, is can be a little bit easier, um, especially if they are play- players who have played TGRPGs before. Um, it can be a little bit less stressful, in my opinion, because assuming people have played TTRPGs before, they kind of get the 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 TTRPG mindset of I'm playing a character and there's also rules. So we're going to have fun telling a story, but we're also going to be rolling some dice at some point. And uh, the GM is here and we're not fighting the GM. Never tell a player, never have a player tell you that you're fighting each other. You're all working together. I will, I will plant my flag on this hill. Everybody's working together to tell a story. It's never a GM versus players and vice versa. It's, it's not even if you're playing a villain. You it's to advance the story, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, so uh, having having players who have played before is is a little bit stressless. Uh, takes a little bit of the stress out. Um, but you definitely know what you're getting yourself into, right? Like, yes, you know, oh, as, like, this, yeah. this person likes to joke around all the time, or this person yeah. really likes combat. So I, yeah, you can kind of lean on those and kind of expect, know what to expect. I, yeah, I know it can more, yeah. be intimidating though. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they're both intimidating in their own right, but yeah. running a game for somebody who has perhaps been running a game for you for a long time mm-hmm. that is that's scary because yes because i can you're feel like, very scary yeah this person plays a certain way runs their yeah. games a certain way and i might be doing a departure from that and i think it's yeah. important to to note that like that's okay like yeah it, you have your own way of playing the game you can try to yeah. emulate that other person if if you like the way that that game goes mm-hmm but like don't don't feel the need to 
duplicate it. Like you exactly. can be your own person and yes. everybody's going to respect you for that. You know, like yes. you're, you're going out there playing a game. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not going to, your friends are not going to hold that against you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, like, and if, they, and if they do, well, that's a different <laughs> discussion you should have with your friends. <laughs> yes, exactly. But exactly. Um, also to, to kind of piggyback off of that, um, if you, I, I've had the, the first game that I ran was with, included my spouse who is the only person who had ever run games for me previously um and there was a lot at least in the beginning of me um relying on him for rules clarifications which is a boon yeah but absolutely. then also the downside is my players started relying on him for answers and clarifications to things and and, and at that point there was more discussion around the table uh of like hey i know that he knows a lot of the rules and that's great and cool and awesome, but also come to me first. And mm -hmm. if I have clarification questions, I will go to somebody who knows, you know, having those open discussions, especially with people that you already know and trust. Um, it can feel weird. It can feel a little weird. Um, but at the end of the day, like hopefully you're all wanting to succeed. Yes. <laughs> everybody wants everybody yes. else to succeed. Uh, and so having those discussions of, Hey, this is going to make me feel more comfortable and feel more like you all are trusting me with the story, um, or trusting me to help guide you through the story. Uh, those are the kind of conversations you want to try to have before it becomes an issue, before it becomes an anger thing, before it becomes hurt feelings or anything like that. Uh, cause that's going to start tainting your gameplay. Um, and mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's a similar thing with uh, if you are going with complete strangers. I think a lot more conversation needs to happen when you're going with complete strangers. Uh, and there's there's various ways you can do that. There's um, websites that you can go to uh, your local game stores. A lot of them have like signups for running games or playing in games um, where you could get a, a very random assortment of people that you're playing with and you need to, you know, learn these new people and also how they play games um yeah. but it that that can be that that to me personally is is a little bit more intimidating than playing and running things for people that i know sometimes now a little bit less so but when i first started i you could not pay me enough money to run games for strangers yeah could, there's definitely <laughs> like this layer right it's like yeah there's a person putting on the skin of another character to play at a table with me. And mm -hmm. there's the, the, what's the social etiquette there? How does that yeah. work? Or do I need to get yeah. to know this person? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely, there's a whole other slew of stress factors, I think associated to mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, but I like how you said, like be really upfront. Mm -hmm. The beauty of that is that because there's no real relationship with those people in the first place, that Facebook post on the like insert the name of your city here mm -hmm. tabletop rpg group mm -hmm. you can say hey i've never run a game before but i want to run a game and it's going to be like this in this setting with like sci-fi and aliens mm -hmm. and like i'm looking for people who are going to join my game mm -hmm. and not be too critical of of you know my, mm -hmm. my while i'm attempt. learning yeah 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 it's so because you don't know these people yet it gives you this this like i know for me personally it gave me the pass to be maybe a little bit more upfront and like to the point than i normally mm -hmm. would be 
uh, in, in other social context situations with like my friends and stuff. Yeah, so because if people are if people are coming to you, like if you've put out the call and people are coming to you, if you've been very upfront in that call of I've not done this before, but I do want to try it, then people are coming presumably because they know that you haven't done it before and yet they still want to try. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've never played before. And you yeah, all get to learn absolutely. together. <laughs> absolutely. Um, we've talked a lot about about you know open, honest conversation. I think that that's critical uh, mm-hmm. for new game masters, existing game masters, everybody mm-hmm. alike. Um, but one place that that often happens is session zero. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to I don't want to get into too much about session zero because we've had yeah. an episode on that, and it is super important. Uh, but Agreed. for people who don't know much about it, session zero is effectively the first time you meet up, you're going to go through things like safety tools, talk about expectations, talk about the setting, maybe create characters together, that kind of stuff. You're going to go over the the, the social contract of playing the game. Mm-hmm. If you're a new game master, outside of the stuff that we've already mentioned, is there anything, Maria, that you feel like should be part of that session zero checklist that wouldn't otherwise be there? Um, I mean, you hit, you hit a lot of the like really big things that I always try to tell people to include in session zeros, whether it's your first time or your 500th time, um, discussing what topics are and aren't allowed at your table. And you, this is a big thing that I want to, I want to make sure is very clear. You as a GM have as much say as to what goes on at your table as your players do. And that means topics of conversation. That means themes of your story. That means, you know, themes of characters' backgrounds. You know, mm-hmm. it's sometimes character like players have in their head of like, I want to have this like gnarly background with all of these sorts of things and X, Y, and Z. And for you as a person who then has to try to, you know, in some way, you know, deal with that at some in some way or another. You have to be comfortable portraying things. You have to be yeah. comfortable verbalizing things and digging into topics. And if if your lines are crossed, that's a problem. Because again, you at the table are a player. You are a player just as equally as everyone else at the table. So um, just really, this whole thing to stress, like, make sure that your um your lines your veils your boundaries are also maintained in the session zero and heard just as loudly as your players um but beyond that um i i really enjoy giving making the session zero a time if you have um either a a homebrew campaign that you've made up or you're running something out of a pre-written module or, you know, some kind of combination of the two. Um, Session zeros, in my opinion, are some of the best places to just give a little lore dump, give a little history lesson, give a little bit of like, whether before character creation's done, whether it's after character creation, if you do it during session zero, um, or if you don't do character creation, at all in session zero if you do it kind of between before session one um Mm -hmm. i like to use that as an opportunity to give the players get their get their brains engaged in the world just a little bit 
You know, you're not giving them like a two hour lecture on like the history of Farthendal and this king or whatever. No, the the things that are that are interesting for this little tiny space that they're going to be starting their game in. And as you play, you can kind of introduce these bigger things or whatever if you want to. But um, maybe introducing the places that the characters are might be from or the the starting location, whether it's in a town or whether it's in some caves or in a forest or something like that. Uh, try to paint a word picture so that your players can already have in their heads a little bit of excitement for the next time that you come for when you start playing when you when you jumping in with character hats on and everything yeah um yeah, yeah i like yeah. to i like, I like to that. sprinkle that in a little bit yeah that's that's fun and i you said something and you said it in passing and i want to like really nail in on on it you sure. talked about like just ta- just tell people like the broad strokes just tell them like the starting place they're going to not the mm-hmm. whole lore dump mm-hmm. um I'm going to add to that. You don't even need lore. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like hundred like, percent. You don't Holy need cow. any of that stuff. And, and I think we're going to get to that. Um, yes. In the, in the third section oh, of I our have conversation. So much antidotes about that. Yeah, Jeez. You don't Learn from my mistakes, everyone. <laughs> just, just know the broad strokes of what's going to make you happy as a game master. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to, you need to stay true to that. You know, yeah. at the session zero say, Hey, I want to run a pirate seafaring game because that's mm-hmm. what I'm super excited about. And I know a lot about pirate history mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. There's, a, somebody there, comes there, over... there's a system for that, by the way. If yeah. You want know, something that is seven C is, seven C. is so good. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah. So if, if someone comes around and they're like, Oh, but I was really hoping, you know, to have like a political drama and like be in the courts of the King, like, that's cool, but I, that's not me. Like, I mm-hmm. can't run. I, that, that's not how I want to run my first game. I'm sorry. Like, that's mm-hmm. okay to. It's okay to have that conversation and have that yeah. position. Um. Yeah. So, and anyway, yes. Mm-hmm. Just don't stress out about the lore. Give them the like elevator pitch of what's making you excited mm-hmm. about running this thing, and then mm-hmm. and then go from there. And yeah. I, I like how you said like give them some seeds for their characters. Like, oh, maybe tell them about all oh, this one big big city that you know has these towers and gardens up on the roofs that's it mm-hmm. you don't need more than that because yeah. it just gives them a seed of something to create their character yeah you, you'll you will have the opportunity to plug that in eventually yeah. later yeah and if it's if it's something you scatter there at the beginning and then your players don't find it to be interesting that's okay mm-hmm. that means that's less work for you to do later which i'm sure we're going to touch on <laughs> Yes, just yes, a little yes, bit. Yes. But, um, yeah. All right. Let me ask. Let me ask you one last, really, really quick thing, Maria. Sure. And you touched on it, and then and then we'll move on to the the more nitty gritty advice. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you talk a little bit about um about about communication, about session zero being very important. Mm-hmm. One thing that is also equally important and i'm sure we'll agree on that is having like continuous check-ins not only Mm. reserving those conversations for session zero Mm -hmm. but in the context of running your first game it might be quite short right like it Mm -hmm. might be a three shot or a two shot or something it might not be a one of those like never-ending campaign Yeah. yeah um which actually I recommend people do start with a small yes. thing, 
do like a small story. Thing. Don't do a don't chapter of your story. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, how would you kind of put in check-ins and the conversation about check-ins or post-game briefs or thing things like you know some of these tools for communication that people do in the real world outside of TTRPGs. Mm-hmm. How how does that play in, if at all, into you know your checklist of things just to sort of set up mm-hmm. as tools as a new game master? It's uh, it's definitely something that I struggled with for a while. Um, the uh, the concept of like asking people, hey, how do you feel like? stuff is going hey how Mm -hmm. do you hey how how does your character feel about what's going on right now um it didn't feel natural it didn't feel like uh you know i thought in my head oh if somebody has something about the game they'll come to me and they'll talk to me about it you know it never crossed my head of like starting initiating that conversation um which i'm fortunate that uh nothing you know it, it it everything kind of played through fine um but uh how much less stress i would have been under had i been the one to be like hey how do you feel about how this last game went how do you feel about this particular scene that felt a little stressful um you know checking in with the player as a player uh afterwards and you can do it at the table if you're all very comfortable with each other um if everybody was like involved in a scene that went a little bit stressful Mm -hmm. um you know it if you're all comfortable talking as a group um by all means do so but then don't don't be ashamed to check in like individually too um whether it's over text or discord or you know social media messaging or whatever it is um to ask people ask your players um is there something that you want to focus on Uh, is there something your character wants to focus on is there something that um you were excited to do but we never got around to um there's a uh there's a an after uh an after game um like an aftercare thing um, that I've used a couple of times in other games, or or uh, we've used it as players, called um, Stars and Wishes, which is after a session or, you know, after a couple sessions or after, you know, a chapter in your game or whatever, um, you, as players and as a GM, because you are a player as well, um, you list off one or more things that you thought were really great. You want to give a gold star to um you want to make sure that highlight of like this was a really cool scene the this character choice you made was really cool this npc i hate them but they're so awesome you know gold (laughs) stars all around and then wishes are exactly that things that you hope for in coming sessions or like the next chapter of events or like you know uh, uh one game that i played i was playing a magic user um and one of my wishes is uh, i want them to not be able to use magic and have to deal with that i want i want them to because they've relied so heavily on their magic Mm -hmm. i want them to have to deal with the possibility of them not having magic and how is that going to affect them um how is that going to affect the character the world around them all of those things um or wishes of like i want more combat 
you know i i like yeah. combat uh and i want i there hasn't been some for a couple of sessions and i'd really like to have some combat um and whatever in between things um i you know one of them might be i want to smooch this centaur <laughs> you know <laughs> so you know anything and anything in between that um so that's a if if you yourself aren't comfortable with just like initiating that like so how are you feeling now um you know doing something that everybody is expecting you know every set after every session being like all right everybody i'm gonna send you the stars and wishes just get them back to me uh if you if you have any and be okay if your players don't have any it's okay yeah um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like opening the it, it kind of gives the opens the door and gives opportunity for longer discussions. If somebody is, if somebody is struggling and they don't want to bring it up because they don't want to, they don't want to disrupt the game floor or anything, but they're like, you know, Hey, this, like this path that my character's on is just like, I'm not, I don't really enjoy it. I'm not really having fun, but I kind of don't really, you know, I don't really feel like, I don't know if there's an out or anything like that. I kind of want to change characters, but I don't want to disrupt things. You know, that's a conversation that's that I have had <laughs> a couple of times. Um, and then that's an opportunity for you as a person who's running the game to work with a player and say, okay, you're not enjoying this character as much. What are some options we can take? Either changing their, like, if you like the character but not their class, we can change that up in, in some way that's fun mm -hmm. in the story. Or if you don't like the character anymore, well, we're going to find some way to get him out and we're going to find a new way to get your new character in or things of that nature. But it starts with having, breaking that, for a lot of people, for speaking of myself, that that awkward bubble of, hey, how how do you like this thing that we're doing? Hey, this thing yeah. that I put a lot of time and energy and sweat and blood and tears into. Hey, how do you feel about it? Ugh. And yeah, be okay if me... people are being like, I don't know how I, I don't feel good. <laughs> I don't feel good, <laughs> Mr. Stark. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a really good point. I I've never heard of the stars and wishes, and I think that's a really mm. cool tool. Um. And I, I have to echo what you're saying, right? It's intimidating to bring it up. It's already mm -hmm. intimidating to run the game in the first place. Now you're adding on this added layer of feedback. Mm -hmm. um, I think asking questions individually or like on a Discord server that maybe you create for your game or in like a group chat or something. And the way you ask the question too, right? You can be like, what was something that you really liked about last game? Mm -hmm. most people will be able to tell you something that or what was something that could have gone better maybe you'll get some 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 feedback there but mm -hmm. saying like open-ended questions about how are things going in the game might be a little more awkward might be a little yeah. bit harder to get like a, a genuine answer mm -hmm. out of your players mm -hmm. so just yeah i guess consider that um yeah it's a great way to get it can be a great way to get feedback to improve mm -hmm. and feel even more confident the next game that you're gonna that you're yeah. gonna run i do um, feel like it it at least in my opinion is a little bit harder to do with people that you're very familiar with mm -hmm. i found that it's a little bit more challenging to approach people that i'm already familiar with and be like hey how did you feel like all that went um as opposed to going to complete strangers to being like so give me your feedback about these sorts of things because like in my head at least i feel like there's these these like there's already these social understandings of you and your friend group. Um, and so like trying to balance, like, no, I actually, no, I'm not, I'm not actually joking or I actually do want like honest to be, but not like a jokey, jokey answer. I actually do want like 
honest feedback. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's sometimes, sometimes in my head, I, I get in my own head about it, like, I don't, are they actually going to, are they just going to tell me that, oh, of course it's rad and everything you're doing is rad because you're rad and you're so cool and like all these sorts of things where they're going to give me like a, well, actually <laughs> kind of answer, mm-hmm. you know, so don't, don't get, don't let yourself get in your own way. Is yeah, the, absolutely. If, if you hear nothing about this entire episode, don't get in your own way. You are capable of telling incredible stories. Don't kid yourself. Yes. Yes. And so with that, let's, let's assume we've convinced the listener listener. We've convinced you to run your first game. Let's go. Now, now what? Now what do you, you know, you, <laughs> now you, you gotta you do it. Idea. Yeah. Now you gotta do it. Um, Let's assume, you know, you, you figured out a way to have a session zero. Maybe you've already had a session zero and now you're coming back to listen to this part of the episode where we're going to hopefully give you some tools for your tool belt to run that first series of like three or four games. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the first question I'll ask you, Maria, is mm-hmm. should that be a pre-written game or should that be something that someone does on their own? What, you know, what, where does that kind of come in? as far as creating uh, running an adventure goes for it you depends so <laughs> when i started running my first ttrpgs i thought i don't want to run something someone else's run i'm going to make everything from scratch i'm going to make everything the world the stories i'm going to make maps i'm going to make continents i did everything <laughs> <laughs> which is fine because I got into a hyperfixation mood and cranked out three continents in a month. <laughs> so like uh it, and and it turns out it it was it was good for me. Uh the issue that I ran into was um the when it came to like making the story. I could make the world all day and all night, but coming up with a story to tell was a little mm. bit more hard. Um, so as far as what you do first, it depends on how much prep work you want to do ahead of time. Honestly, um, there are some really exciting adventure modules out there for a lot of different systems. Um, there's some that require a little reworking as you play. There's some that all you could do from like start to finish and, and it's pretty, pretty easily laid out. Um, I always suggest if you're going to do a pre-written thing, absolutely go for it. Do it. It, it. There is some pressure taken off of not having to make an entire world, not ha- having to make random NPCs, although you probably should have random NPCs, just like a list of names, just off to the side. Just get, <laughs> Your players are going to go into that one random house that you just offhand mention, and they're going to ask who the person is who owns the house. Just have a list of names um but there is there is a lot of stress taken off uh, at the at the start if you have something pre-written if you have like you know to use D as an example curse of strahd that's uh, kind of all mm-hmm. written there for you already um i would recommend you kind of read through it to get a general idea of what in the world is going on um but Knowing if your if your pre-written system is like an open world, they can kind of go wherever and do whatever. Or if it's a very laid out railroad of, you know, they do this thing and then they're going to end up by way of the story, end up here and do this thing. Have a general idea of that before you get into a, a pre-written thing. 
the benefit and downside of doing homebrew, which is if we've been saying homebrew. If you don't know what homebrew is, it's literally you make your own things. You make everything yourself. Um, or you the, like hodgepodge stuff together. Or you, from... yeah, you, 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 you <laughs> take things from so many different places that all of a sudden it's something completely new. Um, the benefit and downside of doing that, the, the good of having a homebrew setting and a homebrew story and everything is from your own brain, you know it better than anybody else in the entire world. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to having to BS your way through stuff, it can be a little easier because you already have an understanding of the world and of very prominent things in the world and, and such. The downside of that is it's a lot of things to be in your head. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of a lot of potential notes that you take. Um, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. But for me, it was three continents. <laughs> yeah, and it, it can also become this. Um, it can also become this difficult thing where you're so excited. I know I was so excited about the thing that I had created mm -hmm. that I just like vomited out information yeah. almost too much information yeah at certain points and it mm -hmm. what i was a tour guide back in my previous life as, in, as a student and one of the pieces of advice that they gave us as tour guides was you know so much more about this thing than the random tourist coming to talk to you about this thing mm -hmm. and when they ask you hey what's this building they don't want you to like recite the essay you just read about the mm -hmm. building they want a two sentence description of what that is and mm -hmm. if there's a twinkle in their eye still then maybe you give them two more sentences and yeah. you like slowly spoon feed them pieces of information until yeah. they've had their saturation point yes it's the same thing for running a tabletop it's RPG. exactly <laughs> the same thing and what but you can also use that whether it's pre-written whether it is um homebrew use that to your advantage as well because when you're preparing whether the entire like skeleton of the story or the session by session or anything mm -hmm. like that um you don't have to have every city on the map figured out. You don't even have to have the entire map filled out. You don't have to. I There were some cities I added to my maps as we played because yeah. they just happened to show up in the games. And I didn't have them prepared. I didn't even have a name for them. I didn't know there was going to be a town in the middle of this field here. But here we are. Now it has a name. And now it has a population size of like 1500 or something. And their main food source is cheap. Yeah, that's I, and well, I know it exists. I yeah, I have a lot to I have a lot to say about that stuff too. I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe we'll get back to that in one second. I'm gonna go sure. back to the prefab versus homebrew. I sure, think, sure, sure. yeah. So for me personally, I would recommend somebody trying their first game to not worry about a prefab adventure. I know, mm -hmm. especially if you're buying like a starter kit or something for whatever system you're using, there's usually mm -hmm. a pre-made adventure that comes along mm -hmm. with it. But I find that that creates this added burden on you to familiarize yourself with somebody else's content, to mm -hmm. uh, slice and dice it to fit your table, which you're going to have to do, right? Because a lot of these prefab adventures have a scale of from three to six players, but the combat scenario is the same. Like it, mm -hmm. it, 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 doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't care if you're three or you're six. It's just the mm -hmm. same monsters that you're fighting. So like you might end up 
finding yourself in situations if you use pre-made adventure modules where you have to make split decisions on balance, like to balance the game, mm-hmm. which you, I, I know I wouldn't be comfortable doing if it was my first time I was time so scared about combat when I was first running. I did. I had no idea what was yeah. a balance encounter, what was going to destroy my players. <laughs> I had so no just idea. Make, make your own stuff by looking stuff up, quote unquote, borrowing free content. It's free anyway. Free content yeah. from tabletop rpg creators maybe they have a patreon that you can subscribe to for like two dollars mm-hmm. and you can get a cool or pack like of maps drive through drive through drive get like a two dollar monster stat block thing or yeah. like there are also like drive through rpg is a great place um to find short pre-written adventures honestly like it and, and of course if you're if you're going to go with someone else's work um you know you can especially if it's for like a home table and it's not going to be publicized anywhere don't try to knock it off as your own thing but if there's something in like a specific pre-written thing that someone else has done you like i really like this vibe but like you were saying it doesn't you know maybe it doesn't fit exactly right you know take the idea maybe put some new new towns into it maybe Mm -hmm. like you know turn it into something that fits into your world if you have a world already and you just need like a scenario to get you into the world yeah try to find something and then mesh it into what you've already got going on absolutely absolutely and yeah and you know what now that we're talking about worlds let's let's go into it so you let's go maybe you found an idea for a first adventure i'm a big proponent of starting small like Mm -hmm. start Mm -hmm. I mean, have fun with it. If you want to sit down for three months and world build, that's cool because that's what I yeah. do too. But <laughs> but don't, know that that's not an obligation for you to start your game. Honestly, yeah. if you can come up with a starting dungeon or a starting town and that's it, mm-hmm. you've got your two hours, two and a half hours of gameplay. Yeah, just you've there. got your your three sessions. You've Yeah, like, you, you know, you, you put them in the town, you have a cast of characters to like, like you said, Maria, a list of names. That's it. Like, you, as long as you have that, as far as like geographic stuff sorted mm-hmm. out, you'll be covered. You don't need mm-hmm. a world map. You don't even need a region map. You mm-hmm. like, uh, I think personally, get your get the place where they're gonna go delving in a dungeon or a cave or a ex, like a bathhouse with like an mm-hmm. evil witch at the top. Whatever, whatever the like delving part of the adventure is gonna be. And then mm-hmm. get yourself a, a, a hub town, mm-hmm. a central place where they can go to like stockpile resources and rest and stuff. That that's it. That's all. That's all you need. You don't yeah. have to have a geopolitical conflict or mm-hmm. no like the demon lord is summoning and <laughs> beasts are like invading forests. Whatever. You, you don't need any mm-hmm. of that. You can figure that out later. Yeah. Um, you know that that's my that's my position, Maria. Yeah. How do you feel about starting small, starting big? How much of the world really needs to be created from your from your perspective mm-hmm. when you're kickstarting an adventure as the as a game master? As little as you can possibly manage. <laughs> oh, I love that answer um, so much. So uh, to to go by my example, I had three continents that I essentially drew out. I had fairly large landmarks. Um, 
And I have a I have a background in theater specifically in like the design aspect of theater. So like designing world maps and drawing maps and like doing that stuff. I mm, ah, so good. <laughs> um but uh in reality, when I started my campaign, we were in one capital city for quite literally three, three and a half months of actual gameplay time. <laughs> like in the game, it was, you know, a little bit less than that. But like outside of the game, they didn't leave that city for a very long time. So I didn't have to come up with these like far reaching, like one of the continents. I've had this homebrew setting since 2016, I think. One of the continents still is mostly unfinished. <laughs> like it's almost entirely untouched because they never, none of my players in, in all of my campaigns never went to that continent. We've never been over there. It's not really explored, which is fine. It's great. If I ever feel like an, a, a splatter of an inkling to maybe d dig around in there a little bit. Sure. Fine. It, it's that chase that when you have it, but on a week to week or biweekly or however many times you, you play, you really only have to focus one circle outside of where your players are. So if they are in capital city of X place, um, try to have some idea of what's going on in that city. If it's a big city, like mine was like a big city and had like rulers and there was, there was some like political stuff going on. Um, if your players are not connected to the politics of a city, they don't, if you have it in your head, great. If you don't have it in your head, kind of leave it vague, leave it very vague. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if they just choose, if they choose to go down the political route, that's when you can start focusing on the political stuff. But if they choose, hey, we're going to be little little street cool kids and we're going to run around in the sewers for a while because that sounds like fun. And, you know, we don't want to deal with any sort of politics or highfalutin society or whatever. Great. Now you get to focus on the sewers and yeah. the not highfalutin yeah. parts of society. Um, so at the at the very, very start, um, by this point, hopefully you should have an idea of what kind of characters your players are bringing to the table. Um, try to find some place that is the most, in my opinion, neutral place so that they can all kind of, nobody feels like they're in too much of like a, a higher standing than another. I mean, that can come out. In my opinion, that can come out immediately. You can have a kind of a, a, an a-hole character, <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of show up immediately. <laughs> but um if you start off in this this neutral space, now the neutral space could be in the middle of a haunted forest, but if it's a neutral space, everybody's on the same playing field. Yeah. And then from there, build out just a little bit. It's exactly what you were saying about like the lore, like dropping lore and stuff. It's the same thing with the scope of the world. Uh, your players are going to be so narrowly focused on what's going on right now that... It might not even, they might not even remember there's another continent for like a year after you've started yeah. playing the game. Um, start small, make your story start small, make your story be impactful, but low stakes in the I moment. I like that. Yeah. Because yeah. as you, as your characters grow in power, in levels, in notoriety, in whatever, um, make the consequences and make 
the stakes grow with your the scale of the world. So they might have to go on a dip if they get dipped into politics, whether they want to or not. They might have to go on a diplomatic mission or protection journey with some diplomats to another continent. And at that point, then you can start worrying about the city they're going to land in and then start building out from there. But it's like a ripple effect. You don't have to get five ripples down first. You can get that when they get to ripple four. (laughs) You can start working on ripple five. Uh, So in that way, you're not like doing what I did, which is I have to have all of these figured out so that they know exactly what's going on at all. I had the political system across the ocean figured out and they never, the only reason it ever became relevant is because one of my players was the son of one of the nobles from across the country Uh or across uh the, across the, the ocean. And that's the, that's it. That's it. That's the only reason that they knew anything that was going on over there is because one of the players happened to be related to one of the people over there. Yeah. And, and I mean, and even that, like, isn't super relevant. Like, I mean, it's relevant mm-hmm. to that character, but yeah, it's not the only dimension to that character, right? So you Correct. don't have to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and I really like how you said to keep the, not only the geographic stuff small, but the story small and low mm-hmm. impact. I, I think... If you're running your first adventure, it's fun, especially if you're the one writing your own adventure for for like a homebrewed adventure. I think it's important for you to think about how it kickstarts. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a fire in the town square because the fire elemental got loose again? Mm -hmm. And that like kickstarts the investigation into how this keeps happening. Or somebody gets lost in the mind and you have to go find you know there has Mm -hmm. to be that that um the inciting incident the inciting incident that's it only the french word was in my head for some reason (laughs) um and then i like to think of a really cool end to the story where it's Mm -hmm. like okay they find the person at the bottom of the cave or the bottom of the mine but that person is also now this like horrific they're the one creature they're like, the one that's been releasing the elemental in the town square, it turns out. Yeah. So so have those two bookends figured out. And that's it. Like don't bother thinking about what's in the middle because because your players it's... are most certainly gonna find the most contrived way possible yes. to get to yes. the end. But, Immediately. But be excited about that that ending thing. And and I know mm-hmm. people listening might be like, oh, you're you're scripting out the ending that that's what's going to be like it's don't worry too much about that for your first game you know you it can yeah. be a little bit on rails in that in that regard where you have the beginning yeah. and you have the end and you can kind of you can kind of play goalie where the end just kind of caps the end of the third adventure where wherever yeah. it is you just kind of tag it to the end yeah um, how they get to the how they get to this climactic thing is up to the players i mean you give them options if you can yes yes, um but how they get there is up to them um and how they resolve it can be up to them as well and that can affect like how it like closes out how it how it you know trickles off into either a long campaign or the end of your your this small chapter um but yeah it's there's a I, when I first ran my games, I thought that I had to run it like a book. 
Um, and so I had everything written down, like all everything. Mm. There was so it, if you listen, if I call me Thomas, because this is a it's, this is a train and I'm the engine and we're going. Um, but it it took me a little bit to really get comfortable letting go of the story and trusting that it's still going to be a cool story. And I don't need to worry myself so much about all of the particulars because honestly, my players, we keep saying this, but the players are kind of introduce such creative and interesting elements yeah. that are going to be more fun for you to imagine what how how that could be relevant and good in this space in this world whether it's a, a character mentions a name of somebody that they knew growing up or like you know oh there was this this one town nearby where i used to to live and you know there's some weird rumors coming out of there but i haven't really thought about it in a while so to, you know in like conversation like that if that's kind of stuff that like is brought up in passing you don't necessarily have to bring it up in the moment you know uh all okay tools this side tangent dms tools literally everybody needs to have a notebook a pen writing utensil laptop something <laughs> yes. you need to have a blank thing a blank page to write down notes you will forget people's names you will forget how somebody sounded if you like to do accents or things like that the, the human brain is only capable of remembering so many things uh and little things that your players say in passing um whether in character out of character things of that nature just write it down maybe you'll remember the context of it later maybe you won't and you'll get to discover it all over again <laughs> yeah but it's a really good know. point and and that's yeah. the creative part right you if you're going into it with a b c d e and e is the end and that's the only way to get there you're gonna you're not gonna get i think the full gm experience yeah it's a You'll lot tell more fun a story but it's only your story yeah and it's, it's way more fun to let your players yeah spitball ideas and like you said maria sometimes they're gonna say something even out of character they're gonna be like hmm i think you know there's that big dark forest over there and there's that mine over there i think maybe the mine's a good place like let's go check that out like let's go mm -hmm. let's go and and see what's going on because mm -hmm. i think that that makes a lot of sense they're gonna say something like that mm -hmm. and you're just gonna be like yeah let's go mm -hmm. that's that's it you figured it out even and though also, there was nothing to figure out in the first you place. may have had an encounter planned for the dark spooky forest and now they're going to the mine so then what do you do gm tip right here Take your encounter that you were going to have in the forest, reskin it, and put it in the mines. Yeah. That is work you have already done. That you can don't you don't have to do it again. You just you just judge it up a little, put on a different a different coat, um, and then all of a sudden you're not fighting treants. You are fighting uh, I don't know bullets or something that's under the ground or some other underground cave like thing. Ropers to continue with D&D because that's like the only thing I really know as far as monsters go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm looking at the time, Maria, and let's make uh -huh. you do like a rapid fire resource okay. round where we right. talk about certain things and you just like throw out a couple of tools, whether that's okay. something you've created or a friend of yours has created or something you've bought and you use in your own games that mm -hmm. you think would help a new game master to mm -hmm. um, 
to to do blank and you know what maria let's save that bit for the patreon subscribers of roleplay chat so we'll have that chat and everyone else will see you on the other side cool well so i think that covers the 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 prep portion so Mm -hmm. we're now back into the regular episode Mm -hmm. um if you wanted to hear what maria had to say for how she prepares her games in her wonderful collection of stationery you'll have to <laughs> go find the patreon for roleplay chat which will be linked down below in the uh, in the show notes and you can subscribe to that to hear that added bit of content but otherwise we're back here now and yeah we had a great conversation about you know getting over those pre game master jitters before you run your first games i hope we were able to give the listeners um, some advice that maybe mm-hmm. you you haven't heard before or help you convince yourself that you do have what you need to be a game master maria yeah I'll, I'll pass it over one to you final as yeah final some final thoughts. thoughts um you may never get over the jitters you may never i never i've never gotten over the the starting gm jitters um, but what I have embraced is that I'm going to be nervous about it because I want it to be cool and I want people to have fun and I want it to be a good job, but I can almost guarantee that as soon as you start doing it, like even if every single time, every single time, an hour before session, you're a little bit anxious. You're having, you know, the like, did I prepare everything? Did I do all these sorts of things? Once you start going and you're with a table that is excited, as excited as you are to play, um, the nerves go away. Mm-hmm. They really do. Um, and again, to circle back, just try not to get into your own head about how scared you feel about it because if everybody's coming to the table to play then you, you you're gonna have a good time yeah and, and i'll time. add to that I, you're right maria it's the the jitters do always find their way back in some circumstances mm-hmm. but one thing that i that worked really well for me to to feel them less to feel the butterflies less was to realize that i'm not responsible for the fun of the people at my table they are mm-hmm. responsible for their own fun. Of course, mm-hmm. as the game master, you're in a uniquely positioned role to facilitate that fun. But I think at the end of the day, you know, you're there to have fun for yourself. You want to like you want to be excited about that big bad. You want to be excited about that cool plot reveal that's going to hopefully happen tonight mm-hmm. or or show off the cool map that you made. But don't try not to worry too much about everyone else's fun. Like they're going to have fun. They're here. They, they've subscribed to showing up and playing at your table. And if they really love role play, you can bet that the person who's going to love role play is going to speak up and have a cool scene because they're taking their own initiative to make mm-hmm. that happen. Or mm-hmm. the person who loves shopping at the store, they're going to use their moment in spotlight to talk to the shopkeeper and buy stuff at the store like let Mm -hmm. let them be responsible for the things that they care the most about you can still be conscious of it and try your best to facilitate it but don't lose sleep over it like it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be fun for you so you have fun and let them have fun and then yes hopefully you're less worried about it yeah 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 Yeah. 
All right. Well, cool. So Maria, I, I re- really appreciate that caveat. I think that that's super important, um, especially to kind of round it out. Mm-hmm. Why don't I pass the microphone back to you again? Uh, you can say goodbye to the listeners of Roleplay Chat. Remind us where they can find you and your content. And if you do have any last, you know, additional parting words as it relates to this, you can also say them now. And mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and thank you for being here. <laughs> this was a fantastic conversation. Thank you for inviting me. It's always it's always fun to talk to to people and realize that oh hey, I actually have more to say about this than I ever think think that I do. <laughs> um, but uh yeah there's there's so much that can still be talked about um about gming about tips and tricks and everybody's got their own way of doing it so my my very last thing to say is find your unique voice uh, to, to emulate a little bit of what matt was saying earlier you can try to pick parts of what some gms do and do very well and that's totally fine but once you find something that you enjoy doing or the a different a specific way that you like doing it really just go for it make don't be afraid to tell your own stories your own way is is really the the cap to end this perfect thing whatever you put caps on <laughs> um but as far as for me uh places you can find me you can find me everywhere the internet is sold at happy capster um i am a variety streamer on twitch uh you can also find me on uh youtube doing some things there um and around the ttrpg space primarily on waffles maple syrup every other thursday starting next week um for outcast and outclassed and then uh most wednesdays on only play wizards playing abraxas's precipice the expanse ctrpg and then one shots here and there and podcasts here and there uh just look at my socials and you'll figure out when and where those things are yeah and and that'll be all also in the show notes yeah so go look in the show notes for all the links for all the great stuff we talked about including all of maria's projects and actual plays and and all that good stuff you definitely don't want to miss out Uh, the waffles maple syrups gang does a fantastic job with all of their productions so yes 100 percent, go check that out and then i think you got some pretty cool stuff also on your on your uh, ttrpg uh website your publishing website so why don't you talk a little bit about that yes Um, I'm the co-founder of Goblin Society Games. Uh, I also act as the community and production manager uh, for Goblin Society Games. Um, and we have currently released uh, a 300 item magic item book for D&D 5th edition, uh, as well as some uh, little supplemental things to go along with that. Um, that was our first production or our first thing that was least released. Uh, we also have the... Uh, um, lesser magics which is some new D homebrew cantrips uh and uh, a not D related thing called the kobold grinder uh that is a standalone game that you can play um with three to question mark amount of people uh and you play as little kobolds trying to go through a very very deadly dungeon um and it's a lot of fun. It's very, very silly uh, for a very silly game night. Um, and we've got a good handful of things in the works, um, including a sci-fi setting book 
for cool. uh, Savage Worlds that's coming out later this year. So keep some eyes open for that. And then a bunch of other new projects uh, that we hope to uh, announce soon. So you can keep up to date on our website, GoblinSocietyGames.com. You can find us on Ko-fi where we're going to be starting releasing a newsletter soon. Uh, and pretty much everywhere, either at Goblin Society Games or at Society Goblins. Uh, we're on most places there. Come say hi. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. So yeah, I, I can't uh, agree more that you guys often... Oh my gosh. <laughs> I agree 100% that everybody <laughs> listening to the show today should go check out Goblin Society Games. It sounds like you've got all kinds of cool stuff in the works. So I hope people can go check it out and support you there. You. Uh, with that, if folks wanted to talk to me, reach out to me, you can always do that. It's roll underscore play underscore chat on all socials. If you don't want to be limited by a character limit, you can email me, contact roleplaychat at gmail.com. And a friendly reminder to spread the good word of Roleplay Chat with your table, with your friends, and with anybody who you like to geek out with. The more you spread the word, the easier it is for the show to grow. So thank you to everybody listening. Thank you, Maria, for being here to talk to me. It's been a wonderful conversation. Um, mm -hmm. let's, let's call it a chat. Let's go. Sweet. And a big thank you to DeMille's wonderful works for supporting the show on Patreon. You can join DeMille for only $2 a month. Have your name be shouted out alongside hers in this portion of the show. And I would also like to thank Pocket Bard for allowing me to use their wonderful music as the intro and outro song for Roleplay Chat.